Good morning, greetings in Jesus' name. When I came in this morning, and uh, the interesting thing is, anymore when I go to most congregations, uh, there aren't too many of them that are older than I am. And that gets to be a little bit scary sometimes, but that's the way it is. It is good to be here and worship the Lord with you. There aren't many young ones here. I had a question I was going to ask, and I was going to put an age limit on it for the beginning. Um, so if you're under 25 this morning, if somebody came up to you and asked you to tell them who God is, what would you tell them? I'll give you all first chance. I might give the older ones a chance later. But somebody came up to you and asked you to tell them who God is in a very short meeting, what would you tell them? He's your Savior. Okay, good. And this morning we found out a little bit about that uh, in our Sunday school lesson. Anyone else? All right, how about someone older than 25? What would your answer be? Okay. That's who he is to you, but who is he? Those answers are right, okay? I'm not, I'm not minimizing those answers. Those answers are right. He's my Savior too. He's eternal. Now you're getting down the line that I was thinking about. He's the Creator. Okay. All right, we could go on. I'm going to look a little bit this morning at who God is. And you could take the eternal one like Joe said, and you could talk all morning about that. I'm just going to touch on a few uh, points of who God is. thought about the first one I have here on my paper when Brother Joe prayed about Mark sharing the light with those people. So what light did Mark share with those people? I believe it was what, Robert and John? What light did you share with them? It wasn't a light that generated from Mark. When I share the light with somebody, it's not a light that generates from me. Because I don't have any light in and of myself. Scripture says God is light, and that's the light that we have that shares, that we can share with others. That light shining through us. Um... A couple of Sundays ago, we heard a message talking about the skimming off of the impurities when you refine a metal. And the refiner is looking for the purity that when he has the thing skimmed off, he can see his reflection. And that's what I think about when I think about the light of God, the light of Christ shining through us. We let him refine us so that we can be a reflection of him. And that's the light that we have to share. 
Scripture talks about God is light. James 1.17 says, Every good gift and every perfect gift is from above and cometh down from the Father of lights, with whom is no variableness, neither shadow of turning. 1 John 1.5 says, then, This then is the message which we have heard of him, and declare unto you that God is light, and in him is no darkness at all. That's the only light that you and I have that we can share with others is the light of Christ shining through us. The next one, God is love. Won't spend much time here either. 1 John 4, 8, He that loveth not knoweth not God, for God is love. Verse 16, And we have known and believed the love that God hath to us, God is love, and he that dwelleth in love dwelleth in God, and God in him. And God de demonstrated the ultimate extent of his love, as we looked a little bit in our Sunday school lesson, in the sacrifice of his son for us, for the sins of the world. So God is light, God is love. God is also invisible. We can't see him. Job says this, I go forward, he's not there. I go backward, I cannot perceive him. I go on the left hand where he works, but I can't behold him. He hideth himself on the right hand that I can't see. But he's there. Job goes on in verse 10 of Job 23 and says, but he knoweth the way that I take. We can't find him. If we go forward, backward, to the left, to the right, he's working, we know he's working, we can perceive him. But he knows the way that I take. John 1.18 says, No man hath seen God at any time, but... The only begotten Son, which is in the bosom of the Father, He hath declared Him. He has revealed the invisible God to us through Jesus Christ. Jesus talking in John 5 says, The Father Himself, which hath sent me, hath borne witness of me, Ye have neither heard his voice at any time, nor seen his shape. But yet Jesus revealed the Father to them in his time of walking here on this earth, and he revealed himself to us in the recorded word of God. Talking about Jesus again, he's the image of the invisible God. So this great God that has done so much for us, we can't see him, but he's there. 1 Timothy 1.17 says, now unto the king invisible. And it's got, has some other ones in there that we'll look at. That's where he also says he's eternal, he's immortal, invisible, the only wise God, and so forth. So God's invisible. God is also unsearchable. 
I, I, as I look at some of these things, it uh, my, my mind gets sort of uh, mixed up about how some of these things can be. This invisible God, this unsearchable God, this eternal God wants a relationship with me, wants a relationship with you. Job, again, says this about God. Canst thou, by searching, find out God? Canst thou find out the Almighty unto perfection? Job, again, says, touching the Almighty, we cannot find him out. He is excellent in power and in judgment and in plenty of justice, but we can't find him out. He's unsearchable. The psalmist in Psalm 145, verse 3, Great is the Lord and greatly to be praised. He's worthy of our praise. He's great. But he goes on and says his greatness is unsearchable. Can't be searched out. You can search all your life and you won't get to the bottom of how great God is. Getting back to Job again, and I marvel at Job's understanding of who God is and how he works. Job 5 verse 9 says this about God, He doeth great things and unsearchable, marvelous things without number. You can look at the greatness of God and you can start counting and you can count and you can count and you can count till you can't count anymore and you still haven't gotten to the end of it. Job 9 verse 10, he doeth great things past finding out, yea, and wonders without number. Isaiah 40, 28, hast thou not known, hast thou not heard that the everlasting God, the Lord, the creator of the ends of the earth, fainteth not, neither is weary? There is no searching of his understanding. Oh, the depth of the riches, both of the wisdom and knowledge of God, how unsearchable are his judgments and his ways past finding out. That's Romans 11.33. God is unsearchable, but yet he wants to know us. He wants us to know him. But with these human minds, we can never get to the end of who God is. God is incorruptible. And I, I noticed one thing as I thought about some of these things about who God is. You know, when, I, when we think about something that is incorruptible, we think about something that doesn't decay, doesn't wear out, and so forth. It goes even deeper than that to the fact that God is incapable of corruption. There's not even a possibility that he doesn't have that capability. Man tries to change that glory. In Romans 1, it talks about uh, changing the glory of the uncorruptible God. God is not capable of corruption. We get down to the one that Brother Joe mentioned. God is eternal. 
Deuteronomy says, The eternal God is thy refuge, and underneath are the everlasting arms. We'll get off track here a little bit. I think about those everlasting arms. How long have you held your arms out and held them and held them and held them? Even Moses, when he was there on the mountain, he had somebody prop his arms up because they got tired. This eternal God doesn't have any problem with fatigue in his arms. They're everlasting. They don't run out of strength. Psalm 90 verse 2, Before the mountains were brought forth, or ever thou hast formed the earth and the world, even from everlasting to everlasting, thou art God. Somebody tell me how long that is. How long is it from everlasting to everlasting? Anybody? Okay, how long's that? <laughs> okay, I my mind gets to going a little bit on some of these kind of things, and I gave this illustration one time. If I take a lead pencil and start drawing a circle around the Earth, I'm talking about I'm not talking about a globe. I'm talking about the Earth, and you go around the Earth and you draw a circle around it, and you draw another circle around it right beside that one. And you go around another circle. And you do that till you cover up the earth with a lead pencil. Eternity still goes on. I can't fathom that. God told Moses in Exodus. When Moses said, who do I tell these people sent me to deliver them? God had a short answer for him. I am. I am. I can't say that about myself. You can't say that about yourself. Yeah, I'm here today. If I live till tomorrow, I will be there tomorrow. I was here yesterday. God didn't have a beginning. I am was his answer. I exist. God said unto Moses, I am that I am. And he said, Thus thou shalt, thus thou shalt thou say unto the children of Israel, I am has sent me unto you. In Revelation, a couple of verses there. The four beasts had each of them six wings about him, and they were full of eyes within, and they rest not day and night, saying, Holy, 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 Lord God of all, Lord God Almighty which was and is and is to come. And when these beasts give glory and honor and thanks to him that sat on the throne, who liveth forever and ever, the four and twenty elders fall down before him that sat on the throne and worship him that liveth forever and ever and cast their crowns before the throne. God is eternal. I forget what these verses have. I have some extra verses written down here, and I forget what they are right now.
Yes, and this is Jesus talking about himself. You know, I, I find as I go through that it, it's harder and harder to separate Jesus and God and the Holy Spirit, even though they have different works. But notice what Jesus said about himself. In John chapter 8. Yet you have not known him, but I know him, talking about the Father. And if I should say, I know him not, I shall be a liar like unto you. But I know him and keep his saying. Your father Abraham rejoiced to see my day, and he saw it and was glad. Then said the Jews unto him, Thou art not yet fifty years old, and hast thou seen Abraham? And Jesus said unto them, Verily, verily, I say unto you, Before Abraham was, I am. Jesus, when he was walking on this earth, revealed his eternal being. The next one. God is immortal. What does immortal mean? Somebody have an answer, a definition of immortal? We don't have any walking dictionaries here, I guess, like we have at Strasburg with one person. <laughs> Can't die? Okay. I like the way you put it. Can't. It's not that he doesn't die or will not die. It's a matter that he can't die. He is exempt from death. Going back to that verse in 1 Timothy 1 where it says, Now unto the king eternal, immortal. 1 Timothy 6.16 says, Who only hath immortality, dwelling in the light which no man can approach unto, whom no man hath seen nor can see, to whom be honor and power everlasting. Amen. The next one. God is omnipotent. God is all-powerful. You know, we like power. I still remember Brother Simeon Heatwell talking about power. He likes to be the, have that big tractor, the one that had a lot of power. Doesn't come close to God yet. But I saw something in getting this ready that I hadn't thought about before. Back in Genesis, it says this in Genesis 17, 1, When Abram was 90 years old and nine, the Lord appeared to Abram and said to him, I am the Almighty God. I am all-powerful. In Exodus 6, verse 3, it says, God talking to Moses, he said, I appeared to Abraham and unto Isaac and unto Jacob by the name of God Almighty. But by my name, Jehovah, was I not known to them. I thought, well, what's the difference? He's Almighty God. Yes, he is. But one of the aspects of Jehovah is that God is self-existent. He doesn't need you and I. 
Do we need God? Without God, we don't exist. But God is self-existent. God invites us to burden him with what burdens us. Now that sounds good, but the truth is when we cast our burdens on God, it's not a burden to him. It's something I can't carry, but it's not even a burden to him because of his power. I noticed another aspect of that in what David read this morning in Psalm 113. We talked about God dwelling on high. And it sent me to the center reference in my Bible, and it says there that God exalts himself to dwell on high. And God can do that. This all-powerful God, this self-existent one can, self-exaltation is no problem for God because that's who he is. I marvel at how people today can think they've got it all together and leave God out of the picture. And here again, Job comes back into the picture where he says in Job 26, He stretcheth out the north over the empty place and hangeth the earth upon nothing. You know, we're not attached to anything here this morning. This earth is just a big ball that's out here on nothing. Not attached to anything. But yet God has it in control. The next verse in Job says this, He bindeth up the waters in his thick clouds, and the cloud is not rent under them. Now in the last year, we've had lots and lots and lots of rain. We might even get several inches a day. What would happen if God would just let that cloud open and drop it? There wouldn't be anything left. That cloud up there has all that rain in it. An airplane can fly through it. But God lets it down a drop at a time. I think about some of the examples in Scripture. You have the Red Sea that God opened up for the children of Israel to go through. And even along with that marvel of the sea coming back, what would the bottom of the Red Sea be like? Now, I don't know. I've never been down there. But I imagine usually things underwater are pretty soft. Or if you have wet ground, you'll sink in. And you let things run over it a couple times and it'll get softer and more spongy. Not only did he hold the Red Sea back or open up the Red Sea, they didn't sink in the mud when they walked through there. They had a paved highway. 
overnight. No, it wasn't paved, but you understand what I'm saying. This all-powerful God can do this. The Jordan River. Jericho. That wall fell down around the city, except for one spot. God could bring the whole wall down and hold up Rahab's house. I don't know. I looked a little bit. Uh, Was it Jericho that they talked about the city wall was wide enough for chariots to run around beside each other on it? Or was that another city? But anyhow, the wall was thick enough that there was a house built on it. That's where Rahab's house was. The rest of the wall fell down except her house. God's capable of doing that. So God is all-powerful. Let's go a little step further. God is the source of power. Um, Jesus talking to Pilate said this. Pilate said in verse 10 of chapter 19 of John, Speakest thou not unto me? Knowest thou not that I have power to crucify thee and I have power to release thee? Jesus answered, Thou couldst have no power at all against me except it were given thee from above. Pilate didn't have the power to release Jesus or have him crucified. It was a power that God had let him have. God is all-powerful. He's self-existent. He is the source of power. God's all-knowing. One of my favorite scriptures is Psalm 139. I want to read just part of that here this morning. Well, the psalmist says this, O Lord, thou hast searched me and known me. Thou knowest my downsitting and mine uprising. Thou understandest my thought afar off. So what are you going to think in five minutes? What are you going to think in ten minutes? What are you going to think tomorrow? How about next week? Or next month? Or next year? Or, you know, God knows what you were going to think five minutes ago before you were ever born. He understandest our thoughts afar off. I've made this statement a number of times. I'll make it again. God knows tomorrow better than I know yesterday. Or five minutes ago. Because he knows it all. That's the reason he could say, that's the reason Jesus could say to Peter, before the rooster crows, you're going to deny me. Three times. Before the rooster crows twice, you're going to deny me three times. Jesus said that because he knew what was going to happen with Peter. He understands our thoughts afar off. Verse 3, Thou compassest my path and my lying down and art acquainted with all my ways. 
For there is not a word on my, in my tongue, but lo, O Lord, thou knowest it altogether. I'll stop there just a little bit. Joe and Donna right remember this back about, I don't know, 20 years ago. I went to the bank church and I said something that I knew I'd said something wrong because I could see it on the expression of people's faces. But I didn't have a clue what I'd said. God knew what I was thinking, I think. I know. But I got up in front of the bank church and said, it's good to be at Bethany this morning. Somebody told me afterwards when I asked him, I said, what did I say wrong? Oh, you said it was good to be at Bethany this morning. But I was standing in front of the bank church. God knows what we're going to say, what we mean to say. Songwriter says that. He knows the words I mean to speak even before they come out. Verse 5, thou hast beset me behind and before and laid thine hand upon me. Such knowledge is too wonderful for me. It is high. I cannot attain unto it. Then we drop down to verse 11. Psalmist says, if I say surely the darkness shall cover me, even the night shall be light about me. Yea, the darkness hideth not from thee, but the night shineth as the day. The darkness and the light are both alike to thee. So when did you last go out at night and see as good as you could right now? Scripture says with God, there's no difference between day and night. I thought about that in a real way when we were down in Mammoth Cave about 20 years ago. And uh, they turned the lights off. Of course, they told us, they said, everybody turn your cell phones off, turn your watches off, turn everything off. You know, you can't see your finger in the bottom of Mammoth Cave. Even though you put it up to your eyeball, you can't see it. You think God was hindered by the darkness that was there? He could see it just as well. He could see us just as well there as he could out in the sunshine. The darkness and the light are both alike unto thee. Verse 13, for thou hast possessed my reins, thou hast covered me in my mother's womb. I will praise thee, for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Marvelous are thy works, and that my soul knoweth right well. My substance was not hid from thee. When I was made in secret and curiously wrought in the lowest parts of the earth, thine eyes did see my substance, yet being unperfect, and in thy book all my members were written, which in continuance were fashioned, when as yet there was none of them. God knows how many fingers and toes you're going to have before you were conceived. He knew my dad was going to be born abnormal because I never knew him with but one leg and a half of another one. That's the way he was born. But it wasn't any surprise to God. It was a shock to his parents. God knew that. Jesus said this in Matthew 9, Jesus knowing their thoughts. 
made a statement. John 2.24, Jesus did not commit himself unto them because he knew all men. And indeed, and needed not that any should testify of man, for he knew what was in man. This is what he said when, uh, right after that miracle at Cana, when he was going up to the Passover. He knew their hearts. He knows our hearts. I can't see that clock with the glare. All right. Going back again to Job. Job 31 verse 4, Doth not he see my ways and count all my steps? Chapter 34 verse 21, For his eyes are upon the ways of men, and he seeth all his goings. He doesn't miss something because he's focused somewhere else. Um, this morning when we sang a song, um, one of the phrases said, Ever guide me with thine eye. And I don't know what comes to your mind when you think about that, but you know, if someone sees something, they turn their head and look at it. When I went to get glasses, the um, they, they wanted me to get progressive lenses. Well, I've been told that progressive lenses are a problem with people as they learn to use them. They might stumble on the stairs. My wife had a problem with it. And I thought, well, I'm not sure I want progressive lenses. But the optometrist told me something that helped me. He said, if you want to look at something, point your nose at it. Because I can't see very good when I look out the side. So when you see someone turn their head, what do you do? You go to see what they're looking at, right? That's what I think about when I think about God guiding us with his eye. He points us towards what we are to look at. I don't know how long ago it was we were going to West Virginia and uh, my wife missed something, and she doesn't miss a lot of things. But she missed something. Going down the road over there, I think it was between Moorefield and Petersburg somewhere, about to Moorefield, there was a wheelbar in somebody's yard that was turned over with all these pretty flowers. Of course, she loves the flowers. But she missed it because her focus was somewhere else. God doesn't miss anything because his focus is somewhere else. He knows it all. Coming down here this morning, my focus got off of the road a little bit because I forget up here on 81 somewhere, I look, I like to look at wildlife, and so I glance over for deer. And I saw two deer. The road, Interstate 81 turned, and right up the other little road there was two deer standing up there. I didn't miss them because I was sort of looking. Now, I was supposed to be focused on the road, and I didn't take my glance off very long. But we miss a lot of things in life because our focus is somewhere else. God doesn't miss anything because his eyes are open to our ways. Jeremiah 16, 17 says, For mine eyes are upon all their ways. They are not hid from my face, neither is their iniquity hid from mine eyes. Psalm 33, 13, The Lord looketh from heaven. He beholdeth all the sons of men. 
Proverbs 5.21, The ways of man are before the eyes of the Lord, and he pondereth all his goings. Need to hasten on. God is omnipresent. He is everywhere at one time. I can't be but one place at a time. Back in Psalm 139, I skipped over some verses I want to come back and pick up now. The psalmist in verse 7 says, Whither shall I go from thy spirit, or whither shall I flee from thy presence? If I ascend up into heaven, thou art there. If I make my bed in hell, behold, thou art there. If I take the wings of the morning and dwell in the uttermost parts of the sea, even there shall thy hand lead me, and thy right hand shall hold me. Then he goes into, if I say, well, I'm going to hide in a dark place, even there he sees us. Jeremiah 23, 23 and 24 say this, Am I a God at hand, saith the Lord, and not a God afar off? Can any hide himself in secret places that I shall not see him, saith the Lord? Do not I fill the earth, saith the Lord? I want to pick up one more yet before I close. God is immutable. Now that's a word, I don't like to use words that I don't understand. But here again, it goes back to the, that God uh, can't die. God is not capable of change. He is not subject to change. Psalm 102, verse 26. They shall perish, but thou shalt endure. Yea, all of them shall wax old like a garment. As a vesture shalt thou change them, and they shall be changed. But... Thou art the same, and thy years shall have no end. God is not subject, not capable to change. Malachi chapter 3, verse 6, For I am the Lord, I change not. Therefore, you sons of Jacob are not consumed. What would happen if God would change like I do? I'd be in bad shape. God is predictable because he doesn't change. Hebrews 13, verse 8, Jesus Christ, the same yesterday, today, and forever. He doesn't change. James 1, 17, a verse I've already referred to, every good gift and every perfect gift is from above and cometh down from the Father of lights, with whom is no variableness, neither shadow of turning. Numbers 23, 19, God is not a man that he should lie, neither the son of man that he should repent. Hath he said, and shall he not do it? Or hath he spoken, and shall he not make it good? God is unchangeable. Psalm 119, verse 89, forever, O Lord, thy word is settled in heaven. What God said is, what God said back in the Old Testament is, yes, some things were fulfilled in the New Testament through Christ. God always was, always will be. I want to close with a couple of verses from Romans. I've already referred to one of these verses.
where it says this, Oh, the depth of the riches, both of the wisdom and knowledge of God. <coughs> How unsearchable are His judgments and His ways past finding out. For who hath known the mind of the Lord, or who hath been His counselor, or who hath first given to Him, and it shall be recompensed unto Him again? Whoever gave God anything so He had something to give back to them? God gave us everything so we have something to give back to Him. If we don't have God, if God hadn't blessed us with things, we don't have anything to give. Then the last verse of chapter 11 says this, For of Him, and through Him, and to Him are all things, to whom be glory forever and ever. Amen. And just a couple of others, and I won't go into them. God is perfect. God is holy. God is just. And I don't care how long you want to start to keep counting. You won't get to the end of who God is. We have a song, please. <clears throat>